0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Forever Motorsports on Forever Sports for this, the Forever F1 podcast. I am joined by Reese, and we're going to be going over some of the news from the last week, of course. The Spanish Grand Prix was just yesterday, and uh, some news has been uh, revealed just since then as well. Uh, Well, claimed to have been uh, revealed at least, and... Yeah, lots of other things we can talk about from the last week in Formula 1 generally. Reese, welcome to the stream. How are you? And uh, yeah, just some final thoughts more or less, and we will go into a little bit more detail, but just some thoughts on the weekend that we just had in Spain.
1: Very glad to be back here on the Fall River Motorsports podcast. Uh, yes, it was quite an interesting race yesterday in Spain. Uh, Quite a few highs for many teams and some big lows for some other teams. I mean, notably McLaren not having a great day out there, unfortunately, uh, starting in P3 with Lando Norris and him just unfortunately finishing outside of the points. They were trying to uh, manage expectations quite a bit, though. They, well, Lando did say afterwards in a press conference saying that they didn't necessarily think they were going to be able to even stay in the points yesterday. That was their. Their end goal was to at least try stay in the top 10. But, of course, having that little accident with McL- uh, with uh, sorry Hamilton there in the first corner, he was out of that running
0: quite quickly. Indeed. And, of course, we're going to go into more detail about the race and uh, who the winners and the losers were and uh, other things that happened. But I think just uh, starting with the uh, title of the video and just to go and uh, chat a little bit about something that could have been very, very interesting, and I've got an article up here. But otherwise, we've also read and heard about it. Is that Christian Horner apparently came close to trading Red Bull for Ferrari in 2022? Um, claims uh, Dr. Helmut Marko. Uh, so, I mean, just straight off the bat, Horner could have been at Red Bull this uh, at Ferrari this season. How's that? Well, I think we always have to take what Dr. Helmut Marko
1: says with a bit of a pinch of salt. I mean, I'm sure. Christian Horner would have been very interested in taking that seat or that uh, job from, uh, I think it was Mattia Bonotto. Yes, it was taking that job from him. But I think that Red Bull is really his baby. I don't think he'd ever really leave Red Bull.
0: I know, because when I when I heard the news, I was like, but Christian Horner and Red Bull is like, you know, Toto Wolff and Mercedes. You would never see uh, a change there. It's like a match made in heaven. They love each other. Everybody knows that Christian Horner is Red Bull when it comes to Formula One. That is the one uh, permanent uh, feature with regards to Red Bull so I'd certainly found it a bit of a surprise but nonetheless that in, uh, information being revealed supposedly from the Austrian uh well uh from Helmut Marko of course uh, from Helmut Marko oh, yes yes so I mean I've just got an article here I'm just going to go read a little bit of it uh it says Horner has been an ever-present figure at the helm of the Milton Keynes base side since Red Bull founder Dietrich Mateschitz purchased the uh floundering Minardi team in time for the 2005 season. Since his appointment, Red Bull has won six Drivers' Championships along with five Constructors' Championships and appear poised to retain both titles this year, having won all seven races uh, taking place in 2023 so far. However, history might have looked slightly different if Ferrari, without a Formula 1 title since 2008, uh, had been successful in courting both Horner and the Red Bull Chief Technical Officer Adrian Newey. Uh, Speaking to uh, Sky Sports Italy, um, confirmed, uh, sorry, F1's most successful ever engineer confirmed in a recent interview with Sky Sports Italy that he has received multiple offers from the prized Italian mark uh, marquee in the past. And uh, this is Adrian Newey, I believe, uh, speaking now says, I was very tempted to go there, being Ferrari. In the past, it's a legendary brand, new explained. They contacted me in 1993, I think, and then in 1997, when I went from Williams to McLaren. And that was a difficult choice. At the time, my children were very young, and I didn't want them to change schools. If I had gone to Ferrari, I would have had to move to Italy, and it would have been very complicated. This has had an impact. Nonetheless, we move straight all the way down to the fact that Marco has revealed uh that the same process occurred when ferrari became interested in hiring horner at the end of last year to replace the outgoing matteo bonotto they also approached uh, christian horner and he says it took me another whole night to convince horner to stay at red bull the eight-year-old added and it cost us millions more but horner stayed and has since stated that he can't foresee himself ending up leading another team in f1 beyond red Bull.
1: so what do you make of that i mean he's getting paid an absolute fortune i'm sure by red bull to stay there every year uh he is as you say kind of the lifeblood there of red bull i mean he's been there since the beginning he's been running that team really just like a, another childhood well in his family really him and jerry halliwell do have a few children but red bull i'm sure does take up most of his time during the year
0: yeah so i mean we we we, we, we look at this and uh, this is this just a story that Helmut uh, Hel- mark is just trying to um Make, maybe try to try and make a little bit of a name for himself again, just try and uh, get some uh, some clicks going his way and maybe just try to say, oh, look at how much money we've had to spend on, on Horner so that we could keep it at Red Bull. Or do you think that there was some genuine interest from Ferrari?
1: I think, of course, there was some interest from Ferrari. Uh, well, Christian Horner is such a successful team boss. I mean, taking six uh, Drivers Constructors Championships as well as... Uh, five constructors championships already i mean that's that's brilliant and i'm sure ferrari would be very very interested in having him working for them
0: yeah but nonetheless ferrari did not manage to uh, get christian horn over the line instead opted for this of course and uh yeah we can see how well that's going right now in the 2023 season not all that brilliant uh but we do um i suppose ferrari I would, lo- I would love to have know- known what the fans would have thought if Christian Newey had gone to Ferrari. Of course, most of them probably Christian would have welcomed to- no, <laughs> no, him. No, Christian Horner, sorry. Did I say Christian Newey? My bad. Christian yes, Horner. Um, I'm sure most of them would have welcomed him with open arms, but uh, not to be the case. And, you know, maybe not that he would have brought some drivers with him or maybe even Adrian Newey with him. So lots of interesting things could have happened uh, if that had indeed taken place but it didn't, and his counter driver, Max Verstappen, celebrated his 40th F1 win yesterday uh, in Spain. What was that like, please
1: Yes, well, it was a bit of a masterclass from Max yet again in Spain, just showing utter dominance in that Red Bull car, finishing, I think it was around 25 to 28 seconds ahead of Lewis Hamilton in second place, just once again absolutely dominating the rest of the field. He took, uh, well, he got himself a, a bit of a golden weekend there. He Topped to every single session so that was certainly very very showing from that Red Bull car with its new upgrades this weekend
0: yeah and Max Verstappen with regards to his win went said this uh, after winning a seventh of course of the season we've had only had seven races and he's won all seven and he says yeah good race that uh it's a big pleasure to drive with a car like this a win here it's incredible meanwhile his teammate of course Sergio Perez started all the way down in 11th place and finished in fourth how was his race yesterday
1: Well, Sergio had a bit of a recovery race ahead of him yesterday, starting in 11th, as you said. Uh, He did finish in 4th, though, so he didn't have too bad of a race. He was able to make his way through the midfield and fight it out a little bit to get himself closer to those podium positions, but just in the end was not able to get himself up on that podium. Uh, Yeah, I mean, not a bad race from him, but certainly not the amount of points that he will be wanting to score if he wants to take that title fight to Max Verstappen.
0: Yeah, and now as a result of those two uh, missed opportunities for Sergio Perez in both Monaco and Spain, the uh, gap to Verstappen has now increased to 53 points. And to put that into perspective, that's two race wins and a bit. So, (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: if you're Sergio Perez, you really have to pull up your socks now. I mean, Max Verstappen is not going to let a single point run away from him. We saw that with the fact that he tried to take that fastest lap and did end up getting that fastest lap of the race yesterday. I mean, even with his team discouraging him from taking that first lap attempt, he still went hit, went ahead and did it anyways.
0: Yeah, and uh, looking at the rest of the field, we've got uh, other losers, I suppose, and that is uh, Charles Leclerc, who started right near the back, of course, with uh, you know a horrible qualifying, which resulted in him getting eliminated straight away in the first qualifying session in Spain and uh, didn't have a particularly good day. Ending up 11th, almost in the points, but uh, certainly could have ended up higher. Uh, Realistically, let's think about it. I mean, the Ferraris only having to put themselves up against the lower table teams and still couldn't really get past all of them.
1: Well, I mean, I I think most of that was down to the fact that Ferrari made a terrible, terrible strategic error yet again. I mean, there's been a lot of rumours floating around this morning saying that Zabi. I think he's one of the strategists there Ferrari, There's been rumours that he's been fired. So, will we see some change-ups happening at Ferrari? We'll have to wait and see. But that strategy call from Ferrari yesterday to box Charles Leclerc on lap 17. I mean, he was on a set of hearts. Send him out until maybe about halfway through the race if he can make it that far. See what you can do with your strategy. He's starting from pretty much last, out of the points. Why not take a bit of a risk with him?
0: And not only that, I think I also remembered watching that video there of uh, him coming into to the pits and him discussing with his engineers saying box box and he says yeah i think softs are the ones and they said nope we're yes. going to go into hards. we're going to go into hards. and he's basically going, well, what on earth am i going to hards for and you could just see the softs were definitely quicker yesterday
1: yes i mean that was later on in the race but uh, oh maybe it was that lap maybe it was that pit stop uh, i don't necessarily know i'll have to go back and have a look but yeah i mean your driver can feel what the track is like out there he has that crucial information, and you're going against what he's saying. I mean, Ferrari really need to to just listen to it. I mean, if they want someone like Lewis Hamilton, they're really going to start having to show that they are still competitive. I mean, Mercedes already are going into contract talks with Lewis Hamilton, supposedly, today. So I don't think it's looking very promising for Ferrari if they want to sign
0: Hamilton. No. And Charles Leclerc, of course, not finishing the points for a third time uh, this season out of seven races three of them not finishing the points really shocking from Ferrari in general and not only that he was the one competing with Max Verstappen last year for the championship and he already trails Verstappen in the championship this season by 128 points uh, we do now uh, move on to the winners of yesterday in terms of uh, yeah, some, some 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 team that uh, managed to get some huge ground gains and I didn't think we were going to see it gain so quickly but that is mercedes
1: yes well it's difficult to tell i mean there's been a lot of rumors or not rumors necessarily just a lot of talk going about the fact that Bull are still very very dominant i mean i think in every race they finished around 22nd ahead of their closest rival so i mean have mercedes made that much of a yes. gain yes. or have I'm the rest say of 100%. the teams just fallen back no, have no the rest no. of the team's not just falling back no.
0: No. I, I i can't see it like that i have to see it as mercedes have made drastic improvements because the way in which they handled the race yesterday they were obviously quicker than everybody else and i don't think everybody could have gone backwards as much as that mercedes clearly well, seemed seem to have got something aston right. martin
1: clearly have fallen back a little bit i mean they were our our second fastest team and now they now are like fourth only from fourth yesterday's race.
0: and i think yesterday's race was not handled particularly well by Aston Martin, I think uh, the strategy was somewhat uh, interesting. I think they just mishandled that race a little bit. Uh, Lance Joel finishing above Fernando Alonso, for example, is not something that normally happens at Aston Martin.
1: Yes, well, I certainly think you can say Mercedes have made a a massive uh, gain on maybe the other teams around them, but still not necessarily on Red Bull. Red Bull still seems to be extremely, extremely dominant at the moment.
0: But I think most of us have turned our eyes now maybe to even second place. I think everybody's knows that Red Bull's going to win. So now we're looking at who can come second, third, and fourth. Uh, so, yes. Mercedes well, In now... that case, then, Mercedes
1: have made a massive step up. I mean, of course, finishing second and third certainly showed that at a tricky track like Spain, that certainly is a good indicator for the rest of the season. Hopefully we'll get some closer
0: racing. Yeah, and uh, George Russell, of course, started all the way down in twelfth and finished in third. So really, really good drive from him yesterday, and finishing above Perez, of course, who was just behind him. So for all that the Red Bulls are so much, uh, so far ahead of Mercedes, George Russell started behind Perez and finished in front of him.
1: Yes, not a bad day for George Russell, of course, getting past Char- uh, not Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, uh, in that race as well having a good move on him. But, yeah, Sergio Perez just did not seem to have the same faith up there as Max Verstappen.
0: But Sergio Perez and uh, Red Bull had such great pace in the first four races and then only started dropping off Perez after that a little bit. So maybe Max Verstappen is able to get that Red Bull across the line in a fantastic, fantastic time. We know how good of a driver he is. But that uh, competition with uh, the second driver, of course, being Sergio Perez and Red Bull and the rest of the grid may be looking a little bit more even after yesterday.
1: Well, yes. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens in Canada. I mean, there's also a lot of talks about the Aston Martin upgrade that is coming that next race weekend. Uh, Not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. Fernando Alonso already showing quite a lot of confidence in that, saying, we are going to beat the competition in Canada.
0: Yeah, and of course, that would be Lance Stroll's home race. And I think let's just chat very, very, very shortly on Lance Stroll. The fact that he finally, finally rocked up to the party for Aston Martin. I grant, not brilliantly, but still rocked up at least beating his teammate Fernando Alonso in both qualifying and the race for the first time this season. The only time he's properly got points for the team after actually putting a half-decent drive in yesterday.
1: Yes, well, I don't think we can necessarily count that qualifying session, unfortunately, for Lance Stroll, uh, as Fernando Alonso did have some floor damage that he incurred in qualifying two in that session. He went a little bit wide over the last curve. and went into the gravel and caused some damage to his floor, which, of course, would have slowed him down throughout the rest of that session and Q3. So he was out-qualified by Lon Stroll, but he just, just yesterday, he didn't seem to have the pace that we were hoping he would have. He he really struggled to make his way through that midfield, but eventually did end up behind uh, Lon Stroll and put himself into seventh position. He didn't put up too much of a fight against Stroll, of course, out on track, because it was quite close to the end of the race, and I think what's the point in really having a bit of a
0: scrap with your teammate? indeed so we didn't get any spanish driver on the podium in spain but somebody who could have maybe looked at a podium and people were thinking could he perhaps do it was lando norris in that mclaren however an article now released today goes that says norris didn't expect any points in spain even before the hamilton clash and uh, not necessarily saying any points but he certainly didn't expect to finish right near the top uh, as he did manage in qualify
1: yes i was watching his interview after the race. Uh, where he was just chatting to one of the pundits there, just saying they expected not to have the pace to be able to stay with the top drivers, of course, but they they were hoping to get some points, at least ninth or 10th. Their goal for the day was to stay in the top 10, at least in the bottom two. I mean, they didn't have very high expectations, but yeah,
0: I think they did not expect to have a race like they did yesterday. That was, once again, dismal for McLaren. And Zach Brown was so celebratory when Landon Norris managed to come into third in that qualifying session. And then I wonder what his reaction was yesterday when both of McLarens finished outside the points yet again. And a very dismal race. As James says in the comments, McLaren were very disappointing in the race. And once again, orange team of McLaren just not able to do anything really.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really not looking good for them so far this season. I mean, they at least up their qualifying pace, they look very strong in qualifying. They just need to find a way to now translate into well translate that into race pace. Race pace is a lot more important than your qualifying pace. So we'll have to wait and see what they can do throughout the rest of the
0: season. Yeah, and just going back to the interview that you referenced there, I just do quite enjoy a couple of these quotes from Lewis. Being the pace was as expected today, which was bad. I don't think we expected <laughs> anything else really. And then he also added, um, "Because we're slow, we have been all year. I don't know. There's nothing else to say. I think it's a very very frustrated." Uh, McLaren driver I was going to Andanas. say, I think
1: he was very frustrated at the end of that race. Uh, understandably, though, of course, I mean, he got taken out in the second corner. But,
0: yeah. And uh, speaking of that corner, let's go back to that first corner, though. And Christian Horner going having a comment there with regards to George Russell, who, of course, uh, made massive ground in that first lap as a result of him basically going off the track into that runaway zone and uh, a small incident occurring with Lando Norris and Hamilton and all the drivers there, slowing them all down and allowing George Russell to get far ahead of the rest and make a big gain on all the drivers ahead of him. It says George Russell was not penalised for cutting that first chicane in the opening lap of the Spanish Grand Prix, but Christian Horner says the Mercedes driver managed to get away without receiving a penalty. Russell held off Sergio Perez to take third place at the Circuit de Barcelona-Catalunya.
1: Yes, it certainly was very interesting. I mean, normally you would have a penalty applied for something like that, but Russell, as Horner says, did just get away with it. Uh, Interesting as to why he didn't get a penalty for that,
0: but I mean, he certainly was lucky. So, the reason supposedly that FIA are saying that he didn't get a penalty is because Russell uh, had to take that first, had to take the uh, the, the runoff area there to avoid making contact with Nico Hulkenberg. So he went around the two cones at turn two which was the fia said was mandatory for a car that goes off at that corner so supposedly he followed the rules but he did gain a massive advantage as a result and that's the whole point of those runoff areas you're not supposed to so
1: well that makes sense then at least um at least he was fully following the rules there but we don't want to see drivers doing that and making up so many places they shouldn't be allowed to do that they need to make their passes out on track if you do go through the runoff area and gain places, you should be, well, it should be mandatory to hand those places back and return to your original position.
0: Yeah. And uh, Christian Horner, speaking to Sky Sports F1, he said he, being Perez, lost out in the early laps. He didn't have a great start. George managed to get away with running off the track, not getting a penalty for that. I think that was the difference at the end of the day. Checo's race was getting stronger and stronger in the last stint, in particular. He was coming back very strong. There was just not enough laps to get on that podium. Which Russell, of course, claimed. And uh, Russell, speaking on the incident, he said, I got a bit squeezed. I made a decision because I knew there were two cars on in the inside of me, and I knew if I was going to keep it, I was going to come together with Hulkenberg. I knew it was him. I came out behind him, and no advantage was gained. So eh, I i think advantage was gained because, of course, Hulkenberg also managed to get past that uh, little scrap and scuffle. But uh, nonetheless, certainly, as Christian Horner says, got away with it, but can't exactly rue uh, on that decision, the decision was made, and he did as a result take advantage. And that's ultimately what a race driver's got to do take advantage of the situation.
1: Yes, of course, you're going to take any position that you're able to gain. Of course, uh, he was, as we said already, very lucky not to take any penalties from that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as we said already, there's a lot of winners and losers from this race. Uh, williams once again though really not showing any pace out there on track being yet again the slowest car finishing in 19th and 20th again i think uh, no part.
0: not 19th 16th and 20th Alex album managed okay. to finish a little bit further up land i knew Lowe's, that they would have finished last though. He's yeah sergeant so Lowe's that's a given at this point <laughs> <laughs> logan sergeant finished in 20th valtteri bartas and the alpha Mills also a little bit slow yesterday finishing in 19th mm. kevin Magnussen. interesting because in sorry yeah interesting because the alfred remains also had some very good qualifying pace yeah, and also, I mean, Grand Zhou had a fantastic race yesterday. Uh, yes, that Alfa Romeo. I mean, finishing in ninth, he finished in the points, and he—I mean, he was a, the joy to watch yesterday. I thoroughly enjoyed watching him uh, battle it out with so many drivers in the midfield. He was uh, certainly the centre of attention for quite a while, and him and Yuki Sonoda had quite a bit of a spat there—the uh, Asian battle there uh, between the Japanese yes. and Chinese driver.
1: He made it very exciting yesterday, for sure. Throughout the the majority of the race, we were following alongside him. He had some great overtakes, and then, of course, that overtake, well, attempted overtake on Yuki Tsunoda. Just talking about that incident there a little bit, Mark, I've watched it back a couple of times, and I agree with Tsunoda. He doesn't deserve a penalty for that. It was quite harsh, unfortunately. There was still enough space for another car out there on track.
0: Yeah, and... You know, as I said um, uh, as I said during the stream at the same time, I said it was not too dissimilar to Max Verstappen and um, Carlos Sainz in that opening corner. Max Verstappen did a very similar thing to Yuki Tsunoda, uh, gave a little bit more space than Tsunoda did, I grant, but did a very, very similar sort of maneuver. And Max Verstappen obviously didn't get penalized for it, which we think is the right decision. It's just defending your line. I think Tsunoda did the same thing, as you say, and it is quite a harsh penalty and the only penalty of yesterday.
1: Yes, I mean, it was extremely harsh. We saw him after the race looking super, super dejected. I've seen some pictures of him just looking so, so upset there in the paddock, just sitting down and having a chat to one of his physios. I mean, I don't blame him. It's It's been a tough day a tough day out there in the car. He's done really well, finished in the points, and then been given a penalty at the end for not necessarily driving dangerously at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, James just saying in the comments, your thoughts on the lack of safety cars, incidents and penalties at the moment is down to the cars. The skills of the driver lineup, cost cap fears, just very, very weird. What is it down to, Reese? Well, I mean,
1: I think it's a type of track. You don't have walls as close as we have at Street Circus, of course, where we do see quite a lot of retirements and safety cars. Saying that, though, we didn't have a safety car in Monaco last weekend. I think these drivers are feeling a lot more confident in these cars, of course, being the secondary of these new regulations these cars should have a lot more downforce as well with them using the underfloor to create downforce. So I don't know what it's necessarily down to. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a a science uh, as to when we have crashes and when we don't, it's really down to if drivers can hold the car.
0: I also think it's a, it's a good point to to, to, to raise the cost cap fears as well, because nobody really wants to afford a crash. So our drivers not just being, being a bit more, cautious, you know, not risking it a little bit as much to try and avoid damage, and they don't want to end up in, in the wall and things, and they maybe back out of of, uh, of of defensive challenges or see a driver coming up that hit the brakes rather than the accelerator just so they can save the car and take it to the end of the race so that there's no cost cap uh, infringements uh, being a possibility.
1: I mean, I think as a
0: driver, you're always thinking of preserving your car uh, so that you can
1: finish the race, but... I think now with these cost caps, you are always having that in the back of your mind. I mean, as I said already on the weekend, a front wing alone costs around $150,000. That's the normal price of a luxury car, really. Uh, so if you don't want to cause any damage to these cars, an engine costs you around 3 to $4 million. It's not cheap at all, Formula One.
0: Especially when you consider the cost cap is not that much more than $100 million. So those costs add up very, very quickly in a 23 race season. Granted, it's down to 22 now, but a 23 race season. And any bit of damage could completely affect the entire uh, cost cap scenario, as you say. Uh, Reese, do you have any final uh, comments there? Just uh, James saying, Mick lost his drive to his crashes at Haas. Yeah, so he lost his spot, I suppose, because. Of A couple of crashes there and infringing on the cost cap. Do you not Maybe think? Sergeant needs to have a few more crashes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, do you have any final comments for us before we head out?
1: Um, well, just looking forward to that Canadian Grand Prix happening not this weekend. Next weekend, uh, really, really looking forward to those upgrades that are coming from the Aston Martin I mean, Fernando Alonso secretly being very, very confident for that race. He's already saying we're going to crush the competitions. That's his actual word, saying he's going to crush the competition in Canada. So I think think that's going to be a very, very exciting race ahead of us.
0: Yeah, and Lance Stroll's home Grand Prix, having just beaten the Fernando Alonso in the Spanish Grand Prix, maybe he goes into that with a little bit of form as well. Aston Martin. I don't think so. I know you you don't think so, trust me. Not a Stroll fan fan. at all. (laughs) Uh, but yes, Aston Martin hopefully going into the Canadian Grand Prix with some form and with a lot of the points to prove. Mercedes doing very well yesterday. Could Aston Martin make some big gains in Canada? That's of course all to be found out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks, as we says before that Canadian Grand Prix. It's not oh, this one weekend. Week. But, well, it's not this weekend. But it's the following weekend. It's effectively 13 days. So I'm saying a couple of weeks. It's almost 14 days technically. A couple, nonetheless uh reese thank you so much for being with us this evening for the forever f1 podcast guys be sure to subscribe to the channel like the video and uh, let us know what you want to see in the future as well and give us some topics to talk about next time uh, otherwise we will see you in the next one thank you so much for me mark and reese uh we're gonna head out thank you so much bye bye